Steve read the scriptures, he says, you know, God wrote the law on our hearts. There's several laws that God wrote on our heart. And everyone's scriptural. Got a whole list of them in the back of my Bible. Just give you a few of them. You know, when the Lord said, you know, this is the new covenant that I will make with them. Their laws I will write within their heart. Well, there's the law of righteousness. God played up laws the same thing as a principle. He taught us the law of righteousness that we don't have one. And He's the only one that's got one. The law of sin. The new man owns the sins of the old man. The law of faith. Principle of faith. And then there's the law of love. The law of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the law of liberty. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And then there's the law of Christ Himself, which is the law of love, liberty, and grace. Just uh, thought I'd throw them out there. and One of these days I may preach on that. But I, I carry that around with me all the time. I never know when you're going to have to stand up and say something. I used to carry around with me. I tell you, two messages used to carry around with me. One of them was about Mephibosheth. Carried everywhere I went. Because if a person couldn't preach on Mephibosheth, he just well quit. <laughs> and the and the other one was uh, the effectual call. Effectual call out of uh, John chapter. Uh, 11. Alright, let's go here in chapter 14. Let me read a few verses here and we're going to talk about and and deal with this thing called the new song. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the mount, Zion, and with him a hundred forty and four thousand having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song, but the hundred and forty-four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins." These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. I want to talk about that new song and the people who can sing it. The people who can sing it. Now, there's three paragraphs here in chapter 14, and all three of them start with a look. A look. The first one there in verse 1 is, I looked, and I saw a lamb. In verse 6, it says, and I saw another angel. So he saw, he's looking, seeing things. And then the third paragraph, which starts in verse 14, he said, I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And they all start with 
each one of them with the beginning of I saw or I looked. Now we're leaving the earth here. Remember, we just were surrounded by two beasts and the dragon. The last two chapters have been about the dragon trying to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ and he couldn't destroy him so he started on his church. The false prophet, the one that had ten heads, had blasphemy written on his name. These were certain of servants of Satan. And uh, we had great enemies. And over in Revelation 7 it says, Who are these? Who are these that stand here before the throne? Who are these that stand here this multitude that no man can number? He said, These are they that come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. So now we left the earth in chapter 7. We go through the Christ coming, our persecution, and we go with the Lord Jesus Christ calling us home in the last judgment. And I tell you what, we, we're leaving the earth here. We're leaving. We're gone from here. We're leaving the place of time and sense and entering into the realms of glory. One place it tells us where time shall be no more. And here it describes as those who didn't receive the mark of the beast. you remember those who received the mark of the beast? Well, these people here didn't receive the mark of the beast. In fact, in fact, they were already sealed, as one it says there in the last part of verse 1, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And over in Revelation 7 and verse 4, look at this. And here we see the same 144. If you remember, this 144 represents the, the whole church. Represents everybody. You know, there was 12 patriarchs. And then there's 12 apostles. Old Testament's represented here. The New Testament's represented by these 144,000. But look what it says here in verse 4. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. And they were sealed in 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And so we were all, so all these people were sealed. This 144,000. All of them sealed. We didn't take the mark of the beast. Which is 666. The day man was made. The day man was created. And the day God made him, he didn't last Mr. Pink said he probably didn't last 24 hours, maybe 48 at the most, before he fell and was cast out of the garden. Our first author failed, and everyone since him has failed. And that's what 666, failure upon failure upon failure. The only person that's ever been on this earth, the only man that's ever been on this earth, I'm talking about a man, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only successful, powerful, perfect man that was ever on this earth. And he never failed at anything he did. Perfect in everything he did. And I'll tell you what, he took all, I said it this morning, he took, he was our surety. And I tell you, surety stands good for someone who's incompetent, unable, no ability, and somebody has to take care of him. Well, our Lord Jesus Christ, I tell you, I'm incompetent. 
I don't have no abilities. And somebody has to take care of me. And the Lord Jesus does all three of those things. Huh? Just put a big F on me, failure. But when you put Christ up there, it takes away with all that. And I'm certainly thankful for it. Now, I tell you what, they don't stand in themselves. They stand in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we see the church triumphant in glory. Look at the blessedness of the redeemed there in verse 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion. Stood on Mount Zion. We've read about Mount Zion time and time and time again in the Old Testament. In fact, it's in the New Testament. Look over at Hebrews chapter 12 with me. Hebrews chapter 12. You are talking about Mount Zion. The Lamb stood on Mount Zion. And look what he says here in verse 22. This is the Zion that cannot be moved. Stands on this mountain, this Mount Zion. Look what he said there in verse Hebrews 12, 22. But you are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, and to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, and not only angels, but to this, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn that are written in heaven. So there we are. <laughs> and I'll tell you another thing. He said over in... Wrote, uh, excuse me, Psalm 125. He said, This is the Mount Zion that cannot, cannot be removed. And we sang that song. Maybe Kim will sing it later. Zion's Hill. That waits for me. Arrest. Arrest. In fact, it's called heaven. Mount Zion's called heaven. We've come under Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. And that's what he's talking about here. All this general assembly, this great host of people gathered with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said he stood, saw that lamb and he stood on the Mount Zion. And with him 144,000. This is heaven. And down in verse 2 he said, I heard a voice. Where did it come from? It come from heaven. He saw the Lord in Mount Zion standing in heaven. On Mount Zion, he's heard a voice from heaven. And he saw with him, with him, with that lamb. When it talks about that lamb, you know, it always says with him. They, they stand with him. That's the only standing we can have is the standing that we have with him. We don't never stand in ourselves. And they stand with him. 144,000. And I tell you, having the name and the names of his Father written in their forehead. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ, he told his disciples, said, i got to go away. He just told them that Judas was going to betray him. They're all going to forsake him and leave him. He has to go up and, and, and suffer and die at Jerusalem. And they were very troubled in heart. They were very troubled, very bothered. And our Lord says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he said, But I'm going away. And I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And when I, and when I come again, you know what he said? I'm going to take you to be where I am. 
And that's what's happened right here. He's took us to be where He is. We're with Him right here. In chapter 7, they were on the earth until they were called. And then there, there was a multitude that no man could number. There they sung that song, Salvation belongeth unto the God of our God. And here they're enjoying the glories and blessedness of glory. And this is after the final judgment, of course. The dragon, remember him, he did his dead level best to make them unfaithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to be faithful to Christ. He doesn't want us to be faithful to His church. He doesn't want us to be faithful to His Word. He doesn't want us to be faithful to one another. He doesn't want that. And I tell you, I, I think that one of the most blessed things that will ever be said about a man when he leaves this world is that he was faithful. Faithful. Faithful to Christ. Faithful to the Gospel. Faithful to the Word. Faithful to His church. Faithful to the church that God put Him in. Faithful. When he, every step he took was a faithful step. He believed God. And I tell you, that's the, I think that would be the most blessed thing that you could say. But he wanted us to be unfaithful. Oh, how he wanted us to be unfaithful. And he don't care who you're unfaithful to as long as you're unfaithful to Christ. He wants men to be unfaithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he used those two beasts. Remember them? And yet, not one single soul is missing. <laughs> he didn't get a one of them. Not one of them that washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. He never got one to be unfaithful to the Lord Jesus. And now he hears a sound coming out of heaven. He said there in verse 2, And I heard a voice from heaven. Oh my! And this is, this is a song. And then verse 3 said it's sung as it were a new song. This is, they're singing this 144,000 are singing a new song. And you know what it sounded like? He said, the voice of many waters. And the voice of a great thunder. And the voice of harpers harping. Now when he talks about harpers, he's talking about those people got those big, big things, you know, and they pull on those strings. Those things are so beautiful. People know how to play them. I love to hear them play. I've been places where they played them. Oh, they, people that can do it, they sound so beautiful. So beautiful. But here they're singing this song, and you know what it sounds like? If any, if any of y'all have been to Niagara Falls, man, I'm telling you, you can't hear your mind think when you're listening to that water coming over there. It comes rushing over there millions of gallons. And you get down there and all you can hear is that roaring water. Roar, 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 roar. He said, that's what it sounds like. Many waters was coming down. And then he said, there's a thunder. Great thunder. And all of us know what it is to hear thunder and it be so close sometimes that it shakes your house. And then he says, the voice of harpers, harping. Now, how can these all these things come together? When you got people harping and the harpers and they're playing their harps, that's sweet and tender. 
But how can you reconcile all these voices? All these things. Well, God is telling us here that this song has such power, such glory, such authority, and such beautifulness about it, and such preciousness about it, that we cannot begin to describe it. And that's what he's talking about. And this new song sounded like this thunder, constant, majestic, the water roaring. And then those harpers, harpers singing, lovely, sweet, and tender. And it'll be a new song. You know why it'll be a new song? Because it comes from a brand new experience that we never had before. (laughs) We've never had an experience like this before. So when we get there, we can't help but say, and oh, listen, God, I tell Shirley this all the time. I say, boy, listen to birds singing. Oh, listen to birds. God gives them every song they sing. I listened to a mockingbird one time. We I listened. We got one that was up there the other day singing. And I was counting the songs. I was counting the different birds that he imitated that he could mock. And I counted 13 different birds that he could imitate. And God gave him every single note to do that. So if God gives the birds their song and their notes... Imagine how even those of us that can't carry tune in a bucket will be able to carry tune there. We'll know every note and sing every note perfectly. <laughs> Ain't that right? I'll even be able to sing now. Oh my! This new song, this and this, it's, it's, the people that sang this song, it says there in verse three that this, they were redeemed. From the, from the earth. They were redeemed people. They were bought people, purchased people. And it's a new song. Because it's a new experience to us. It comes from brand new hearts that we never had before. It comes from new bodies we never had before. New tongues we never had before. New minds we never had before. And all it says there in this song, as it were a new song before the throne. And the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty-four thousand. This is this is the only people who sang it; those that were redeemed from the earth. And I tell you, they sang this song. And look where it's at. Look where they sang this song before the throne. Before the throne. <laughs> we get scared to death to get up and read the scriptures and sing here. You imagine when we get there, we won't be afraid. We won't be afraid. You know why we won't be afraid? Because we won't have no sin. We won't have no flesh to contend with. And they sang before the throne where God and the Lamb are seated. Before the cherubim, before the elders, before the church, for the whole church in glory singing. And this song... This song, this new song's experienced having been purchased out of the earth. You know, that's why it's called the song of the redeemed. Only redeemed people can sing this song. Only redeemed people can sing certain songs. We sung Amazing Grace till one day we found out how amazing grace really was. And then it took on a whole new meaning. We sung Jesus paid it all until we found out He really did pay it all. 
We sang there is a fountain filled with blood until we was worked in that blood. Now that song has some power to us. Oh, all these things have power to us. Now before, they were just songs that had good melodies to them. Now they have force. They have power. They have reality to us. Oh my. And I tell you what, these people were purchased by the precious blood of the Lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ. No man, listen to this, no man can learn this song. No, no, nobody, you can't learn this song. <laughs> I'm going to teach you a song. No, no, you're not going to teach nobody this one. He said, there ain't nobody can learn this song. Just that people that's redeemed. <laughs> they, can't, they can't learn this song. <laughs> it's like that fellow that come into the marriage supper. You know, and they had all everybody had on a wedding garment. You've been to weddings where everybody's supposed to dress alike, you know, and they wear nice suits and everything, and everybody dressed alike, and everybody dressed up nice, you know, and they all have a wedding, and everybody's dressed alike, and they have all these, and he said, there's a wedding, and everybody had on a wedding garment. And here comes in a fellow in here in this wedding, he said, what in the world are you doing in here? Well, I come to the wedding. You ain't got no... Listen, he ain't got a wedding garden on. Get him out of here. You know why? Because he's not invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He can't sing this song and you can't teach him this song. You can't teach the world this song. You can't teach the church this song. Only God can teach this song. And only the redeemed can sing this song. Those that's been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can sing that song. Huh? Look what Moses said. Over, look over in Exodus 15. I just thought of this. Look over in Exodus 15. Look over here. When Moses came through the Red Sea and they had been delivered, come through the Red Sea. Look what it says here. <laughs> They're talking about singing. Oh my. Chapter 15. Then sang Moses. And the children of Israel, this song unto the Lord, and spake, I will sing unto the Lord. For he hath triumphed gloriously. He said in the Lord, verse 2, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. He is my God. He is now prepare him a tabitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Now, I tell you what, that's a song. They sung a song. You know why they sung a song like that? Because they had just come through a great, great trial. And they had a new song to sing. God has put a song in our heart, even praise unto God. No man could learn this song. Only those that's been redeemed from the earth, bought by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, look in verse 4. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. There's a, these people are virgins. That is, they're not defiled. And what he means by that is, is that they did not become unfaithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And look what it says. They follow the Lamb. They follow the Lamb. They want, wherever that Lamb is, that's where they want to be. 
Wherever that lamb's spoken of, that's where they want to be. Wherever that lamb's preached, that's where they want to be. That's what John said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And I tell you what, everybody's ever saw that lamb, they follow him. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, Follow me. And when he says, Follow me, we get up and follow him. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll follow. And that's what he's talking about. And he leads us a lot of different places in this world. But we follow him wherever he goes. If he takes us in deep waters, we follow him. If he takes us in the fire, we follow him. If he takes us through a great trial, we follow him. If he puts us in the furnace of affliction, we follow him. Wherever he takes us, we go follow him. Ain't we? And that's what they do. They follow the Lamb wherever he goes. And I want to show you something. In First Corinthians, 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me show you something. 2 Corinthians 11. You know, you know how many times in the Scriptures it talks about us being unblameable, unreprovable, without spot, without blemish before Him? So that's what he's talking about. He's talking about our relationship with Christ. And look what he said here now in verse 2, 2 Corinthians eleven two. For I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's what he said. Who's he talking to? He's talking to people. The redeemed. But this is what he is afraid of. He is afraid of this. And this is why Satan never got us. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity. That word simplicity means singularity. That is Christ. Christ is singular. And oh, listen, I'm jealous over you. I don't want nobody to take you away. I don't want nothing to draw you away. Christ, is, His message is singular. Everything about Him is singular. And I tell you, it tells us here, know that we're members of His body, and He bought us with a price. And it tells us that we were unblameable, unreprovable, without blemish, faultless before the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's what He's talking about right here. And then He says, These were redeemed from among men, Away from men. You know how many men are on this earth and have been on this earth? God only knows how many billions have been on this earth. I, I, I read one time, and I, I, I couldn't go through it, but say you take two people, they have two children, the two children go up, and they have two children, and inside of Sixty years, you know how many people you'll have from those two people? It just goes four by 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 four. Next thing you know, you've got thousands. And that's what he said. So how many billions have been on this earth? And out of all those billions, God said, I'm going to, I want that and out of them. I want that and out of them. See all those folks among those people there? He said, I want him, I want her. They're mine. This is mine. That was mine. That's going to be mine. 
And he just, before the world ever began, for he put the first man on the earth. He said, I've got a number already picked out. <laughs> I've got a number. I've got a number and I've got it wrote down. And it's such a great number. Such a huge number. Such an astronomical number that nobody can number it. <laughs> it's impossible for the brain to get it. <laughs> and that's what he's talking about. They were redeemed from among men. And then it talks about here, it says, being the first fruits, being the first fruits unto God and the Lamb. And the first fruits, you know, they were for the first fruits, you find this out, and over in James 1.18 it says this, that by His own will begat He us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Now the first fruits are those they were given to God. They were given to the Lamb. And the world aren't in these. They know the world is just ripening for judgment. Ripening for a harvest. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, Lift up your eyes. Says the harvest is ready. He said, He said, There's tares growing among this wheat. He said, Let them alone. He said, Oh, when they come and harvest them, he said, I'll separate them. And oh my, he said, The fields are white, ready to harvest. And I tell you, it's ready to harvest. The world's ready to be harvested. And let me show you what I'm talking about. Look up down here in chapter, in verse 14 of chapter 14. Look here what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ coming to gather the harvest in. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud, one set like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap. The harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Is reaped. Oh my, he said, oh, they're coming a great weeping. Great separation. And then, oh, listen, look at another one. And the rest of them, this here is where he gathers his wheat. He said, gather the wheat into the barn, gather the wheat into the garden, and cast out tares and bind them. And then he said in verse 17, And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, having also a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, thrust in by sickle and gather in the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle in the earth and gathered the vine of the earth, and listen to this now, and cast it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trodden without the city, and blood came out. Oh, listen, there's the harvest where Christ harvests his people. And then there's the 
where they gather the wicked and he puts them in the wine press of God's wrath. A great difference between people. And I want you to see this about the first fruits. Look over with me in Numbers chapter 18. Numbers chapter 18. Show you about the first fruits. You know, we're the first fruits. Chapter 18 and verse 12. Well, here's our Lord Jesus. You know, it talks about, you know, bringing the first fruits. When you have your first fruits, the first thing I want you to do is that I want you to bring them to me. Bring them to me. And he said in verse 12, All the best of the oil, all the best of the wine, and of the wheat, the first fruits of them, which shall they offer unto the Lord, them that I have given thee. And he said, All the first fruits, and we're the first fruits. When God ripens, when He brings us, He said, You're all my first fruits. You're the best. You're the best. That's what He said. And what makes us the best? He does. By calling us that. And all the redeemed are the first fruits. Now back over here in verse 3, 4, and 5. Look with me now. All the redeemed are these first fruits. That 144,000 or all the redeemed are not first fruits and verses of the believers. These are separate from other believers. No, no. They're not a select group in heaven. They're not a group of super saints. But it's all the redeemed. You know, there's people who believe that only 144,000 is going to heaven because they see 144,000. And then there's another people who believe that they're the 144,000 and they only get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb and the rest of us are just friends and we have to sit around on the outside and wait till they get through eating and we need. (laughs) And a lot of them are Calvinists. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are Calvinists that believe that. Mm -hmm. But oh my. You know, this is not these first fruits and then over here is these other believers. These are not the first fruit and over here are these super saints. You know, the 144,000 super saints and the rest of us just happen to be hanging around. That's not the way he's talking here. He's talking about all of God's elect. He just uses this number. This number. And all believers are sealed with the name of God and the Lamb. And then look what he says about them right here. In verse 5. And in their mouth was found no guile. And listen to this now. For they are without fault. Where it counts. Before the throne of God. That's where it really counts. Eh? <laughs> and it says in their mouth there's no guile. What does that mean? That means they've not accept Satan's lie. Mm-mm. No, no. They don't talk grace and works at the same time. They don't talk about God's sovereign will and man's free will. And they have to figure out how to make them work together. They don't talk like that. They talk grace. They talk Christ. They talk blood. They talk righteousness. They talk satisfaction. They talk justification. They talk forgiveness. They talk all that they add nothing to the Lord Jesus Christ and take nothing away from the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no guile in their mouth. 
Brad read it tonight back there. We are not those which handle the God, Word of God deceitfully. That's what he's saying here. They don't want to handle we don't. We, we're not trying to deceive it. We don't want to be deceived ourselves. When I look in God's Word, I don't want to be deceived. And I know me. Listen, I, I've said this time and again. I know me. I know the depths of my sinfulness and my inability. And I have to ask God to keep me, keep me, keep me, keep me, keep me safe, keep me daily. And if I was deceived, then I turn around and deceive you. But it went on to say this that they which know not the gospel, the gospel's hid from them, which do not know Christ, the gospel's hid from them. Satan has blinded the minds of them that believe not the gospel. And I tell you what, people's minds can be blinded, but I don't want to have, and that's what he said, no doubt in their mouth. You know, every believer, or when he says something, you ought to be able, as that old time as you say, you can take that to the bank. When a person tells you something, you ought to be able to believe every word that comes out of their mouth. They ain't going to lie to you. They're not going to cheat you. They ain't going to say something to your face and say something else about you behind your back. They don't do things like that. They don't do things like that. They got no guile in them now. <laughs> I believe I can show you that. Look over here. I want you to look at Jude. And then I'm going to quit. Look over here in Jude for me. The last verse of Jude. Oh my, no guile, no fault. He said they have no guile and they're without fault where it counts before the throne of God. Huh? Look what he said here in verse 24. Mm. Now, unto him that is able to keep you from falling, bless his holy name, and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. That's why we're singing that song up there. <laughs> he said we're without Paul. And I'm going to give you one more and I'm done. Colossians. Look in Colossians chapter 2. Or excuse me, chapter 1. And I'll be done. Colossians chapter 1. Look in verse 20. Christ, we're in Christ without spot, without blemish. But look what it says here in verse 20. Verse Colossians 1.20 And having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him to reconcile, bring together all things unto Himself. By Him, I say, whether things in earth or things in heaven. And you, us, that were sometime alienated and enemies, in our minds, by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Now listen, this is what I will say. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable, where it counts in his sight. And he says they have no guile, and they're without fault before him, before the throne.